the LPR 1138 Project with Lorenzo Rubio starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the LPR 1138 Project. I'm Lorenzo Rubio. My guest today is someone I haven't spoken with in about 24 years. He's a man of many talents. I'd say he's a modern day renaissance man. Hey, Michael Caldwell, how are you doing today, brother? I'm good, I'm good, and you're too kind, too kind. How are you doing, Rubio? <laughs> you know, not too bad, not too bad. Just living the dream in Oklahoma, eating lots of barbecue kicking the dogs around, and every once in a while going to work and make a few dollars. Hey, that's a good living. You want to talk about your barbecue for a minute real quick, or you want to talk about the Marine Corps? Um, well, we could always bundle the food stuff in together. So let's, uh, let's give a little bit of history and how we know each other. Um, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, the last time I actually saw you was, what, like New Year's Eve, maybe January of 1998? I believe it was at Sean's house. You know, Sean, he was stationed with us. Concept, yeah, conception, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that little New Year's Eve party that was there. And then mm-hmm. I sp- spent a couple of days over there and then I flew back. Okay, so for those of you who don't know us, Michael and I were in the Marine Corps together. I want to say we were stationed at the same place between 1996 and 1997, give or take a few months. I got out in 98, and you got out in 97? Towards the end of 97, September of 97. Yeah, I was a year year behind you. Correct. Yeah, so uh, we were stationed at Camp Las Polgas, Camp Pendleton, (laughs) California, with 11th Marine Regiment Motor Transport. Lots of good stuff there. Um, lots of memories from the Marine Corps. One thing that um, I really enjoyed there was stuff we did outside of the Corps, like surfing and fishing <laughs> and whatnot. Do you remember any good times from that time? Oh, absolutely. I remember sometimes we uh, would go uh, night surfing, which is dumb and crazy. That Dude, was no pretty doubt. awesome. <laughs> I remember afterwards the food we ate. Of course, the food. Oh, I still haven't had a burrito like a Kalima. What was it called? Uh, Dude, Kalimas, man. Yeah, the, they were like yes. a pound and a half of just uh, for like three bucks. For like three bucks, no rice, no filler. It was carne asada and guacamole. It was so good. And then maybe if you wanted rice or something else in it, they'd add it in there. Yeah, you, you couldn't beat it. And then rallies was another go-to for us. I think it was the big Buford hamburgers I used to get. Oh, it was delicious. Yeah, the Buford, and I always got the uh, rally burger with cheese. When when it was in between paydays, after we'd finished surfing <laughs> in the afternoon, I remember yeah. walking up that little hill right there in Ocean's, might have been Oceanside Boulevard, I think of it, if I remember yeah. correctly. And, you know, a buck 25, get a burger, fries, and we were set, dude. <laughs> oh, much yeah, on the way back. That was probably probably 12 bucks <laughs> dude well we have um over here in oklahoma we have something that's called hardy's cars is carl jr well same it's kind of food two. you know same yeah. stuff man good old fatty yeah. sandwiches burgers and all that jazz and we're still waiting for in and out i don't know if you remember in and out down in cali yes i do that and yeah. back in arizona we've had a few and unfortunately we don't have anything like that out here but oh that's right you're from arizona correct tempe arizona yes 
Yeah, that's right. I couldn't remember. Why are you in the Midwest? <laughs> Dude, uh, that that is a very unique story. But since you asked, I'll cover that since we're given a little bit of history of each other here. Um, well, in 2009, I found out my older brother had cancer and uh, oh. it was pretty rough on him. So, you know, I had a choice to either pick up shop, move out here, help him out when he was in a time of need or stay over there and continue my life that I had. And oh. it was, um, you know, it was a really simple choice. I'm like, dude, this is my only brother. I'm going to get up and go. Did it and haven't looked back. Oklahoma's been pretty good. Um, people here are great. Met a lot of awesome people. And, oh. um, well, my brother survived, and yes, now good, he's doing good, his thing and whatnot. He's still a pain in the ass, though. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm the same way to him, too. I mean, that we're brothers. Yeah, there's no doubt there. <laughs> right. And so that's what brought me out here. Okay. Yeah, because I've never been to Oklahoma. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm missing much or what's going on, but I'd like to visit Midwest sometime. Well, depending on what you're into. Minnesota and Indiana, but I don't know if that's that's kind of north. It's a little bit more up speed down here. Is that the only military? um, There's a couple of army bases also about an hour away and whatnot. But, you know, it's kind of funny seeing the Air Force people driving around and looking sloppy and thinking back to my Marine days, (laughs) our Marine days, and how everything had to be crisp, polished, and all oh, that. Everything, man. Yeah. and That's uh, why I'm a slob now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> hey, man. I'll so, tell you what. I don't, I don't run since the Marine Corps. So, no. Uh, oh, oh, speaking of running there, Rubio. What you got? Want to tell the people how you run? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You had to bring that trash up. You know what? I'll let you do the honors because um, I... I do a good enough job embarrassing myself, so uh, I'll I'll pass the torch to somebody else to do it. I always remember about you when we did PTR our uh, test. You're running. You were the, probably the fastest person there, but you're taking ten little baby steps to every one. It's like it was like speed walking, but running. It was hilarious. But you beat everybody. I swear, you were fast. You know what my secret was. Hamburger at the end of the line? <laughs> no, nah, dude. I pretended that Border Patrol was behind me, man. <laughs> la migra, la migra. <laughs> He's like, oh, Dang shit. It, got, gotta run, SA. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I might. I had a unique running style, but I was a PT stud, man. Got no, my 20, 80, under 18 minutes. Dude, oh, yeah. I don't even oh, drive three it. miles anymore. Oh, man. No, I don't run no more. I got a bad knee from the Marine Corps, so I just, you know, walking's good enough. No, I feel you. I tried running uh, two days ago at the gym on a treadmill. Dude, my knees were hurting. Well, like you said, man, I do, you know, just like you, I do a lot of walking, do the elliptical, all that Mm -hmm. stupid stuff, just to make sure that the sticker, the ticker keeps on working and whatnot. Yeah, I went to the elliptical because it's easy on your knees. Well, just running in boots and youths, the wear and tear. Yeah, they said it's like sandpaper in between my knees, so every once in a while it bugs me. So going back to things in the Marine Corps, um, Mm -hmm. I I know you remember this most of all people. I uh, did a little bit of body piercing while I was in. (laughs) Of course I remember. Oh, man. And you you know what the funny thing about the process of how I did that. I just saw a video online where people Mm -hmm. are doing it the exact same way I did using an IV catheter, popping it through a catheter. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I was bootlegging it so bad back then, (laughs) but 
it was funny. And I did, um, talk about it briefly on my first episode about body piercing and stuff like that. That, uh, was just a test run. Dude, I pierced a lot of Marines in the Marine Corps. You can't have it in the Marine Corps. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, man. And it was kind of like one of those things. It's like, okay, we formed like a little tribe, I guess you could say, to where it was like, all right, we know. I would say you were over at the house. Oh, when I was over. Oh, yeah. Speak of that. The house when you pierced me. (laughs) Man, I'm sorry about that. I'm still a little butthurt and kind of pissed at you. (laughs) Hey, it's because I love you, man. Hey, well, you said it was crooked. (laughs) In my defense, you said it was. You said it was okay, crooked, so, so I'm like, all right. To, yeah, he's going to Pierce. So he does the catheter swoop, through my tongue. It's crooked. I go, it's crooked. He ripped it out, puts it back in instantly, two shots in less than a second. Oh, it was painful. Hey, you could thank the Marine Corps on that one. You know, quick yeah. and, you know, follow-up oh, shot. Like, pop, pop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You traumatized me. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You know I did feel uh, bad about that. And no, you didn't. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, now I do, man. <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah, man, it was just some crazy times while we were in. Dude, you had like a little red hatchback car, didn't you? A little <laughs> Honda Civic? No, the, we, me and my other buddies, we still talk about this. Dude, it was, it was a, a death Dodge trap. It, no, it wasn't. It was a Dodge Colt. We didn't die. <laughs> You weren't sitting in the back. You were the one driving, man. I know. So you felt fine. It was a 1985 Dodge Colt. That was my first car. We still talk about it. Me and my other buddies went up to uh, uh, Nevada to Reno in it. That was sketchy. The one thing I remember about that little car, there was one time where you had the rims on there and you flipped them over so they were like (laughs) deeper. (laughs) But it fucked up the ride. It was all bounty and jacked up. <laughs> on the wheel wells and all that. Yeah, it did. It did look pretty cool with the you know the deep well rims. There, I was ahead of my time, <laughs> right? And okay, uh, for for spoken word Henry Rollins. Um, yes, that it was. was uh, it was a little road trip that we took, and uh, mm-hmm. we went uh, stayed with a friend of mine who got us the tickets and whatnot, and went to the show. It was about an hour and a half of Henry Rollins telling his little stories and. For those who haven't listened to his spoken word, he has some interesting oh, stuff. I mean, he has a way of it. articulating himself and telling his life experiences that just come out in yeah. a very comedic, sometimes dark humor kind of way. So yeah. plug in Henry Rollins okay. right there. Well, do you remember what happened when they opened the doors? Do you remember that to the, to the little um, theater there? He was standing there, and we ran in so fast to get the front row seats, we missed him, him uh, introducing himself <laughs> to everybody. Did you know that? I, I now I remember it. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? But uh, yeah, his stories uh, about his friends. Oh man, it's just goosebumps. It's it's so good. Yeah it it was a good time, man. Lots of good memories in the Marine Corps. So, uh, oh, what the heck have you been up to, man? Well, in the last twenty some years, that's a long story. <laughs> well, long story made short. Let let's yeah, go that route. So- Highlights. Highlights. So, well, you know, I got married in the Marine Corps to Mauda. I remember. Yes. Yeah. So came up here back to Washington, uh, ended up getting a job with Department of Defense. So I was a rigger working on submarines. I did that for 10 years or so. Long story on that. Ended up leaving that, kind of here, their jobs. I went to an aerospace company. That was kind of cool, but I ended up leaving them. And then I started helping out framing houses, building houses, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, man. I swear I have, like, um, you know, jobs 
what is it called? I can't think of it. OCD, not OCD, but ADHD with jobs. I mean, I get bored fast. You know, I did chainsaw art. I did that on the side. My cousin taught me that. That's why I was in Indiana. That was pretty cool. No um, doubt. I saw those pictures yeah. you had. Dude, yeah. that stuff is amazing, man. Thank you. Yeah, I did it for quite a while. It's it's no joke, man. That's probably the best shape I've been since the Marine Corps. And what, would, then, you, what would you do? Was that? Going with the uh, chainsaw art, was that like custom stuff people would order, or you would just sculpt something so, and yeah, boom? There's, there's two, yeah, there's two ways you kind of do it. Well, three. So you basically kind of have your business. You know, you make the stuff that you want to just sell, sell that you know sells. Like you know, and then custom order. Somebody comes in, hey, you know, can you make me this? Yeah, well, sure. You know, half down, half when you finish. That way, you know they come back for it. And the others are, um, I can't remember. I think we call them stump jobs. It's the tree at their house. Like somebody, you know, they had it cut down. They got a nice eight foot, 10 foot chunk of, you know, beautiful wood, mm-hmm. you know, still rooted in and you carve it into a nice art piece. No doubt. Those are the best kind. Those are the best kind. Those are really good to do and fun. And also, you know, you do your own art, you know, like I did a lot of skulls and those surprisingly sold big time. Cause trust me, you'll never catch me carving another bear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yogi the bear right here. Oh, that's what what you learn on bears and mushrooms and i've carved enough of them so dude that's kind of got has to be like with tattooing also that's how it was yeah. with me and body piercing when i did a little stint of body piercing the shop that i worked at was called liquid karma in tempe arizona and uh, arizona state university and all day long every day seven days a week belly button piercings tongue piercings all day long granted it was bread and butter easy money but after a while, I was like, dude, I want to do the other stuff. Let's, you know, do a tragus. Let's do a septum. You know, let's do surface piercings. I'll do implants for you, you know, where you put the jewelry underneath the skin and all that. I was like, man. So after a while, you know, I was doing that. And I got kind of burned out of it. And that kind of forced me to get out of that industry. And I'm kind of glad it went that way because, you know, now it's a dime a dozen. And I can't see myself at as old as I am still doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, so back to jobs. So then I kind of, you know, I still kind of do artsy stuff now and then. I showed you some. I'm like into woodworking. I love doing that stuff. Easy pace. I ended up working for uh, golf. And a friend from high school, he's been working at this golf course forever. He came to me because I was doing side jobs and landscaping. I love that stuff too. He's like, hey, you want to come work for me? And I went and talked to him on a Tuesday. He goes, you get free golf? And I said, yeah, I don't care how much you pay me. I said, I'll take the job. So I did a lot of landscaping like that, you know, the green, not mowing the greens, but stuff like that. And then the pro there, the golf pro said, hey, why don't you do my job? I said, well, don't you got to go to college or something? He goes, no, you got to do the PGA school. So I went under his wing as an assistant golf pro. No that doubt. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah, because I love to teach. Teaching's my thing. I love it. And so long story short, I don't work there anymore, but I still teach golf and stuff like that. I always say I'm in my midlife crisis right now. Dude. You know, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> well, golf has to be hard. I mean, the only experience I have that on that on golf is miniature golf and, uh, you know, the driving range is going out there and just mm-hmm. smacking the heck of the ball out of Whacking the ball. Just, balls, yep. That's about it. You know, nothing else in regards with that. I mean, kind of wish I would have picked it up a little bit earlier just because it seems like it would be something that could be very calming meditation. You know, it takes a lot of concentration. Well, the good thing about golf, it's basically the one of the only sports you can do till you're 90. You think about it, you know, football, that golf you can do. It's never too late to start. You know what I mean? 
I had you know, my uh, students were from seven to eighty-eight. No doubt. Nice. Yeah, yeah. My little guy, I call him seven. He's nine now. He's a stud at golf. It, like plays tournaments and stuff, or yes, he started off coming to me, and it, we hit it off from the bat. Just he's good golfer. Him and I, you know, teaching him, and he was doing little stuff, you know, with schools and stuff like that. Well, one day I had a golf tournament with the Clarky Series. I'll give him a quick shout out, Clarky Series Pacific Northwest. <laughs> hey, I saw that little yeah, the 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 Clarky contest thing that poster you had. Yeah, that was pretty cool, yeah. man. So that's that's what that is. It's for that golf course. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's just a it's a, a series up here for tournaments, and great. All the proceeds go to the kids. First tee, amazing group of guys. It is awesome. Well. I told Kate, or my little guy, that's like, hey, man, you want to come caddy for me? I want you to experience this. And they're like, why don't you have him play? I was like, well, he's nine. He's like, we'll let him play from the junior tees. I said, hey, Kate, do you want to do it? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. Mom said, yeah, absolutely. I, so I take him out there. He ends up shooting seven under par from with his handicap, and he beat all the adults by two strokes and won the dang tournament. Holy smack. No, all of I'm getting goosebumps right now. We knew what was going on. It was something special. We were watching this kid because he was in our group. And we're like, man, you know, and it was just something phenomenal to watch. So, yeah, he took first place and pretty, uh, and him and I are still teaching and coaching, you know. That's awesome, special. dude. That is yeah, awesome. I get a kick out of just really teaching the youth because I was fortunate enough. My dad taught me when I was around 10. Didn't really take it serious. Golfed a little bit in the Marine Corps. After I got out, I noticed I was pretty decent, so I played a lot, and then you know I got pretty decent. I feel like I want to pay it forward to the kids. So when you're getting ready to tee off, let's say you're on your second hole or whatever, I I apologize for my ignorance. I don't know the terminology, but you're getting <laughs> you're, you're okay. You're getting you're, ready you're to okay. send one downrange. I mean, okay. What is what does that feel like? I mean, you're there. You put well, the ball second. down. Explain okay, everything second. to me. Second tee is no, no, the hole is no big deal. It's the first one. You always have, most people have the first tee jitters. I still get them once in a while. Well, how yeah. do you, how do you I overcome mean, that? You just close your eyes and swing the club. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, no, man. No, you just, you have your practice routine. You just take your little way go practice routine, take a deep breath and let it go. Mm. So that kind yeah. of sounds like shooting a bow and arrow. Yeah. You know, you have, kind you of. have to relax, do your breathing. Just focus. Arrow, you mean an M16? <laughs> oh, dude. When it when it comes to like hunting weapons, hunting tools, mm-hmm. I I'm I'm pretty proficient on a lot of stuff, man. Do you use the old technique? Take a deep breath, breathe uh, in, breathe out. Well, dude, never hold your breath. It's very very meditating, man. Because it's like, okay, you're sitting there, you knock it, pull it back, do your breathing. Mm-hmm. Your heart rate just slows down. Yeah, because it'd be and, and dude, I kid you not, everything goes quiet. And then all you hear is, and you know, right when you release it, you either hit your target or you missed it, but it's all you, man. And there's, there's nothing that I could find to replace that moment of Zen of knowing the perfect shot. And that's that I'm kind of relating that with like hitting a golf ball right now to where it's just you, you're either doing your best. If you make a mistake, it's your mistake. Nobody else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. I, I think I'm going to try golf, man. <laughs> oh, hey, come on. I'll teach you, man. I mean, any day or I'll come out there, man. No problem. Nice, nice. Well, I'm going to get a couple of uh, rounds in me first before I <laughs> go out no, there with you, man. Uh, no, no, I have 
my buddies, uh, one of my Marine Corps buddies came up last year and, you know, he's played. And he's like, I'm not that good. I said, I don't care, dude. You know, let's just go out and have a good time. It doesn't matter what we do out there. I don't care if you duff it 800 times. It's just fun, you know. And one thing I never do is I never get mad on the golf course. It's just not worth it. I see it all the time. It's just not worth it. So no happy Gilmer stuff, huh? <laughs> no. Get in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, cool, man. That Dude, that that is an awesome activity to have right there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let me give you the rundown a little bit about me. Uh, let's, and it's just going to be highlights. After I got out of the Marine Corps, went back to Arizona, and um, and I mentioned how that job ended. Then I got into corporate sales, so I went from this very relaxed atmosphere to selling pagers to like Intel, Motorola, McDonnell Douglas. You know, just large volumes to for their employees and their VIPs and stuff like that. That was with their touch cellular and then transitioned into Verizon Wireless and then cell phones went mainstream and all that jazz. And then I took a hiatus from that for about a year and decided to give professional wrestling a try. And uh, yeah, um, there was this league that was called the Western States Wrestling Federation, and it was a farm league. And uh, I trained under this guy named Steve Isles, the Navajo warrior, and also another guy named Matt Weiss. This was before he became that, and he was managing strip clubs in Arizona. So I knew <laughs> I knew him in the dirt days. Oh, yeah. That was crazy because you just think about, okay, you see what you see on TV, but you don't see what happens, for lack of a better way of saying it and using a movie term, what's beyond the mat how people get started into it. And where we trained at was basically in a ring that was inside of a, a storage lot. And that was it. We'd go there, we'd train there, they'd tear it down, they'd take it to the place where we'd have shows at and stuff like that. Well, I did three shows on that, and then I totally jacked up my shoulder, had to have surgery. So decided to call up my old employer and be like, hey, you know, uh, I left on good terms. Do you need another salesperson? I was pretty good at what I did. Got the job back with Verizon. Rode that out for a little bit. And then I uh, decided to get out of that and work with a few friends that uh, manage strip clubs. So did that in Arizona, a place called Showgirls Fantasy Islands. And then my brother got sick. I moved out here. And they knew somebody that had a club out here. And I got into managing that club. And uh, they were a real piece of work there. Everybody that worked at the one here in Oklahoma were pieces of shit. Nothing but a bunch of druggies. So I decided to quit that job. And on my way home one day, I see this little store being built right across the street from where I lived. And it turned out to be a natural food store, whole food, organic, all that jazz, total hippy dippy called natural grocers. I figured, you know what? I'm going to get a part-time job while I look for something else and whatnot. Well, turns out that, uh, The regional manager, the director of operations thought I was a cool guy for some reason, which I don't know. Maybe I am. It might have been the tattoos. And I looked intimidating. (laughs) You know how that goes, man. People look at you and they're like, oh, man, this I better not say the wrong thing around this guy. (laughs) Well, real quick. One guy, I I have skulls on my chest and all of my arms, you know, and if you know me, I'm a big teddy bear. One guy goes, why does such a nice person have hard tattoos? And I just laughed. (laughs) Man. And you should have said something like, yeah, these are for every life that I took. See that? That's, that's you know, from this person from this tour. That's this person from that tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they probably would have looked at you like, holy jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, I think every tour, every place I went, I got a tattoo. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
that that was the thing, man. I mean, you know what's funny? My whole time in the Marine Corps, I did not have an URA Marine Corps tattoo. I still don't have one. Ten years after I got out, I got yeah. USMC on the back of my right arm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a jarhead. Look at my tattoo. <laughs> well, I thought about getting it, you know, afterwards, just you know, but I still don't have one. I don't know. And now that I'm older, tattoos hurt. <laughs> very true. Very true. And hold that thought real quick. This episode of the LPR 1138 Project is brought to you by Pogue Coffee. Is your coffee not cutting the morning grind? Do those energy drinks make you crash after just a few hours? Well, now it's time to drink Pogue Coffee. Drinking Pogue Coffee is like adding jet fuel to a fire. It will make you want to do crazy shit. But... You won't have to because Pogue Coffee tastes exactly how that would feel. Pogue Coffee is filled with caffeine, but not just a little bit, but a shitload of caffeine, which will make you want to kick ass at everything you do. That's right, kick ass at everything you do. So forget about your old coffee and those trendy energy drinks and add fuel to your fire with Pogue Coffee today. Oat coffee is not an actual product, but just a figment of your imagination. Okay, and we're back. And um, yeah, so going back to that natural grocers thing, you know, they thought I was pretty neat. And next thing you know, they're offering me a position to run a grocery store. And I'm like, sure, why not? You know, it can't be that hard. I ran, was in the Marine Corps and was in charge of people there. Nobody died. So how hard could it be? Well, they liked the initiative that I had. They appreciated the fact that I held people accountable for their work, even though they were a lovey-dovey, huggy, give people compliments kind of place. They liked the fact that I increased the profit margin of my stores quite drastically. Kept on going up the uh, the grocery store ladder on that. Got moved around quite a bit. Went and lived up in Fargo, North Dakota for a year. Managed a store up there. You want to go down there and uh, run that store and get it turned around? I'm like, sure, why not? You know, how, how much of a raise am I going to get? Then another option came up in Midland, Texas. And then I quit that job, came back to OKC. I was working for a armored car service you know, basically carrying money around. And just so happened I was covering somebody's route one day that stopped by and picked up the deposits for a particular store where I first started working at. The regional manager was there and was like, Lorenzo, what the heck are you doing here? I'm like, yeah, you know, I quit, had to move back, you know, family stuff, yada, yada, yada. He's like, you want your job back? I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. So he got me the job at the store and I did that. And COVID hit. And all of a sudden the store's you know, mission, core values, and everything changed, and they got very yeah. political. And, you know, I found it a little bit difficult to do my job when they were harping on active, you know, activism and stuff of that sort. So put up my apron, and luckily I had a friend that worked as a government contractor, and he got me a job over there, and I've been there ever since. That job, right. dude, is a godsend because no stress. The people are great. My bosses are amazing and they're hilarious, dude. Dude, check this out. For my interview, um, it was over the phone because of COVID. And guy's name is Bob and Mike. Mike gets on the call. We're chit-chatting and whatnot. And he's like, okay, Bob, come in here. Bob's like, huh? 
And Mike's yelling back at him. I said, get over here. And they start arguing with each other on this interview that I'm on. And I don't know these guys yet. So they're yelling back and forth. Mike starts cursing at the project manager and says, oh shit, you forgot your hearing aids, didn't you? Like, okay, Rubio, you're going to have to yell on your call because Bob here can't hear you. So I don't know they're messing with me. They're, they're muting their call on their end and laughing their ass off. Apparently finish the call. They're like, okay, okay, we'll get back to you. You know, whatever, if you know the right fit for the job. And before they hung up, they're like, got one question for you. Go ahead. Ask like, have you ever seen the movie tombstone? Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite line? And so I'm like, I, well, I don't know if I will say it correctly, but I'll describe it. It's when Ringo and doc holiday are in the bar. They're talking Latin. Ringo's spinning the gun around and Doc Holliday's doing the shot glass. Whatever they said, I think that's the coolest thing ever because it was something about life and death and responsibility or something like that. We're like, okay. So they hang up on me. 30 seconds later, they call me back. It's like, uh, can you start on Monday? I'm like, done. <laughs> Dang, that's a good one. Well, they, they pre-made yeah. up their mind that they were going to hire me. You know, they, yeah. they knew who I was. They, they knew I had a job with, you know, high intense responsibility and stress. So this job was not going to be anything difficult. So I go into work the first day. Bob's not there yet. The guy that was having hearing problems. Mike introduces me to the whole team. Next thing you know, Bob comes in and Mike's like, yeah, hey, that, there's Bob right there. So I look at Bob and I just yell at him because I don't notice him wearing hearing aids. I'm like, hey, Bob, how are you doing? And Bob's looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And I'm like, I notice you don't got your hearing aids and your hard of hearing. So I'm talking a little bit louder. And I honestly believe he was. And everybody just starts laughing their asses off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, dude, we were just messing with you on the call, man. I'm like, well, no, sh no shit. Well, you got me, guys. <laughs> oh, Game on. <laughs> well, anyway, lots of good stuff and good people, like I said, that I work at. And granted, it's oh. government facilities. So outside of our little work group, it's a little bit different. But all in all, the camaraderie, just like in the Marine Corps, we could say whatever we want to each other. Yeah, that's the best. Uh, but of course we have to watch if there's other people outside of our circle there, cause yeah. they might be offended if we're, you know, grab assing and talking trash to each other. Yeah, it's a different world. It is. <laughs> it is. So don't even get me started on that. That's another, <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> we could do that. And if, uh, you know, I wish I could say more than names, but uh, I can't yeah, tell the no, people I that I talk about, but they're all cool. So let's go on to the next item. Um, I noticed that you do a lot of cooking and dude, your plating skills that you have online of the dishes that you make, <laughs> dude. That is edible art. I mean, Thank you. I appreciate your that. culinary skills are through the roof. What mm -hmm. the heck got you into cooking, man? And, well, every, everybody cooks, <laughs> but to the extent that which you do it from the preparation to the end plate product, what got into you to make you decide to do that? Well, you know, obviously I'm an artist, you know, and I think that helps a lot. I have that eye for like the plate, what it should look like in my head. Well, it's if aesthetically it's not, pleasing. The plates are very, yeah, I, very aesthetic, man. To me, food should be smell, visual, taste in that order. You know what I mean? If you're having it at a restaurant, mm -hmm. you know, to me that, you know, the smell, you smell it, all you look at it, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. And you eat it, you're just like, all your senses are going. But yeah, so cooking wise, I've always barbecued, stuff like that. You know, I was married and stuff. And then well, I don't know how long it's been, but I just, you know, I cooked nothing crazy. Just started cooking. And then my skills just started going more and more and self-taught mom's helped out, you know, with her recipes and stuff. 
and I've learned from her. But then a friend of mine that lives here got me onto a cooking page about two years ago when the pandemic hit, when we were in lockdown. And then there was only 99 people. Now we're like pushing 6,000. A few of of the people from Connecticut. And uh, Tony was one of the major ones. Amazing man, amazing cook, hardcore Mediterranean, uh, Italian, Greek, all that. Just a great guy. One of those guys that just give you the shirt off your back. And unfortunately, we lost him last year due to a heart attack. Yeah, age 43 due to a heart attack. It was, it's just, ugh, it still is, man. Just to think about it, it hurts. I mean, never met the man, just known him from cooking. And we talked every day on the phone, stuff like that. And just, he was like a brother, man. It just, it hurt. And this is the uh, Cooking with Tony Hey. Yes, the one. Yeah, the one I invited you, and I'm glad you're there because you fit in perfect, dude. Your food is excellent. Your plating skills are good. Well, they're, they're getting there. Phenomenal. They're getting there with all yeah. of your guys's, you know, input and in regards with seeing what, how you all do it. Because before I would just uh-huh. pile it on and eat it. Like I always say, I hate cooking for myself because I'm yeah, you know, I just don't like doing it. And yeah, if I'm not going to post, you know, on the site and stuff, yeah, it probably looks horrible. I'm just there to eat. <laughs> Great friends with people. You see how so far the people are. They're just phenomenal. And it's a no BS page, no politics, no religion, cooking, have fun, laugh. And it's just their skills, because I've asked, you know, recipes. It's just amazing. And the thing, Tony and I think, you know, we're both very competitive. We used to do challenges with each other, cooking challenges, and the most likes on the page or whatever wins, you know, just for fun. That our banter, everybody loved. Because he was like, you know, I was like, we're brothers, just talking crap back and forth. Nice. And it was awesome yeah and i miss that big time it just uh yeah so that's just it i mean i got no formal training which i would love to take some classes not a school but just you know maybe like a week-long class or a few a month class get some formal training because i really don't know what the hell i'm doing i just cook there's so many things that i've tried that i've seen people Mm -hmm. make that i would not have even thought of before and you know, kudos on, on that, learning new stuff, and I appreciate everything everybody does. And it's kind of like a little bragging thing. I like I like doing stuff now and putting it out there and, and just be like, hey, look what I made, guys. I'm like, yeah, you know, chili or whatever. And But before, it would, it would just be, you know, like in the bowl. Now it's like, okay, yeah. we're going to put some, you know, garnish on it and put it. a little yeah. bit. <laughs> exactly. But there's a little bit more love and care into it. And guess what? That little bit extra touch, it tastes like, that much better, yeah. man, because it's that exactly. little extra. All right. Oh, yeah. Good to go. Good to go. And um, yeah, that is a great group of people. And I'm and I'm thankful that you uh, introduced me to everybody in there. And it's very fun. And for those oh, people yeah. that are that are out there, if they find something very similar, you know, whether it's a barbecue page or just some type of thing, just that, even though it's an online community, that little extra bit of community goes a long way, especially if, you know, if things go back to how they were, where everything is shut down and you're limited on your interactions. I mean, it, it could help a lot of people out. Yeah. Get your mind out of that note. On that note, that's why Tony and them created it was, in quarantine to keep you busy, you know, especially in these times, take your mind off thing to do this stuff. You know what I mean? Cause quarantine was, was horrible. It was boring. But that's why they created it. And he wasn't sure. They weren't sure if we were going to keep the page, but it became so big, fast, just great people. You know, we decided to keep it going. I mean, I, that's why I kept saying, I hope this page keeps going. Cause it's amazing. Well, the people are and great. And I, I think it'll go for quite a while, man. Oh, it'll go forever. Yeah, because, like, and it's just not nobody. We all really kind of know each other. 
And it's just not only a cooking page, we're friends. And they know if they have a problem, any issues, they contact me anytime. Any of them. I can call or talk to anyone and be like, hey, and it's great. I mean, just amazing people. And that's, I was supposed to, this year, Tony and I were planning a trip. You know, I was going to go to Connecticut and fortunately passed. I'm still going to try to make my way out there and pay my respect to him and the family and everybody and visit. And just a bunch of great people. The food out there. Oh, I just want to go. Dude, it, it's a must this year. It's whenever they put seafood up, up <laughs> I living in the Midwest, I'm like, oh my gosh, what I, I would what I you. would do for that plate. <laughs> now, I, just just a little morsel, <laughs> not the whole plate, just a little, you know, because I I get my salmon at the grocery store, wild caught from mm-hmm. Crest. Um, yeah, dude, but There's nothing wrong with that. Though. But going back, going back to the page, man, Tony does sound like he was an, a very stand up guy and. Oh, yeah. I, I wish I would have met him, man. Yes, you would have. Yeah, just huge heart, man. I mean, biggest heart. Just and it's funny the first time because you know he's I believe Italian and he kept saying Mediterranean, so I believe Greek. But for, I knew the first time I talked to him, he was going to sound like the mafia. Exactly. Are you kidding me? For real? Oh, like, yeah, forget about it. it. <laughs> yeah, no. He's like, if you need anything, you know, you let me know. And I was like, I'm good, Tony. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I said, I knew it. I knew you were going to sound like that, but it just, yeah, it was such. such That's awesome, time. man. That is awesome. Yeah, but you'll, you'll see as you go. I mean, you've been there for a little bit. And you, like I said, you fit in just perfect. Well, I, I love food, man. At, you know, I, most people eat to live. I live to eat. Well, and uh, I got a question for you real quick, though. What's up? Let's step back a minute to barbecue and just real quick smoking. Where'd you learn how to smoke? Because it's amazing. Like I dabble in it and yours is like, damn. Well, man, I got tired of paying an arm and a leg for good barbecue and realized uh-huh. that I could make it myself. And well, come, come to Washington. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, it's, I've mastered just about everything when it comes to smoking barbecue. I, I brag and I say that I'm a pit boss and, uh, you know, I eventually well, back it up. Eventually, I want to try to do a barbecue like a uh, contest. I mean, obviously, I don't have the rig set up or anything like that at the moment, yeah. but that, that'll come down the road. It's relaxing, man, going out there. And it's one of those things that takes time. It builds patience. And in today's world where you have instant gratification, you know, uh-huh. you, to use to use a good example, take a look at how we used to take pictures back in the day. We'd take pictures with the camera. We'd go to a place, uh-huh. drop off the film. If we're lucky, we could get it back in about an hour. Sometimes it'd take Mm. two or three days, realistically. And now it's like picture, see what it is, send, get a response, good to go. So our attention span, the instant gratification, there is no more waiting for anything. And to me, barbecue instills that discipline back to me because I know that depending on what I'm cooking is going to take anywhere between four to 12 Mm -hmm. hours to an entire day where I put it in the night before and pull it out the next day in the afternoon. And it's very rewarding. And the response that I get from my friends and family out here on, on the food itself is just that I like cooking for people too, man. And that's the thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, that's yeah. Huge. Yeah. And you know, you could spend money on people, but in my world and very similar with your world too, nothing shares love more than a plate of food. Oh, yeah. and, breaking bread over food oh yeah oh yeah dude you know you you invite your friends to your table to eat and going back to the tony page that's how it is to me and granted it's only visual pictures but that's like somebody saying hey my friend 
you know, this is the dish. If you were here, you would partake with me in this. That's how maybe, maybe I'm too spiritual or, you know, as when I see you barbecue, getting back to that, man, you just load that sucker up. I'm just like, damn, dude. Now, keep in mind, it's, you don't just, it's just me cooking for myself, but a majority of the time, the majority of the time, the reason why it's loaded up the way it is, my brother hits me up and is like, dude, I'm going to be in town because he's an over yep. an over the road truck driver. He's like, I'm going to be on the road. Cook me a brisket. Keep half of it for yourself. You know, I want half for the road or yeah. whatever. I'll be That'd in be at this like, time. Yeah. Do some ribs. And I'm like, sweet. He's the one that bought me yep. that uh, vertical smoker, man. That's nice. It, yeah, it was an investment awesome. for him and not a gift, as he put it. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to buy this for Larry. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So uh, that and then I take stuff into work and, you know, all these, you know, it's, it's just fun, man. And it's one another one of those things that's just very relaxing. Like I talked oh, about bow hunting. My dogs are how yeah. you don't hear my dogs. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, freaking. <laughs> oh, I've seen them. Oh, they're beautiful. Beautiful they, animal. Yeah, they're they're there's probably something in back that they're howling out. No, oh, well, Which one wears be. the pink sunglasses. That one is the Siberian husky named Nanook. Beautiful. And the German Shepherd is named Thorn. Oh, nice. You know where the name from, right? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. The uh, vampire movie. Vampire movie. The Malamute was named Nanook, and the Hellhound German Shepherd was named Thorn. Boom. I don't remember that. Yeah. But... <laughs> Damn. I'll send you a clip about it later. But yeah, I named them after those two dogs. And I know, kind of nerdy, but that's beside the point. That's well, it's cool. So uh, yeah, going back to this coffee, let me take a drink real quick. Right now, I, I took the quick and easy route and I mixed up an instant coffee mix called Four Sigmata. F O U R S I G M A T I C. Sigmatic. So I pronounced it wrong. I try to make it sound all fancy, sigmatic. <laughs> and, um, but basically, it's a mushroom slash cordyceps, you know, because mushrooms are cordyceps, coffee mix. Mm. So this has lion's mane, and I, I, let me get my glasses. Jeez, I'm getting old. Got you are getting old. I don't even have glasses yet. Well, dude, <laughs> tough guys wear glasses, man. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what I tell myself. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. Yeah, so it's uh it's rich and smooth, but basically it's like lion's mane and that's the and your erythral extract. So it's kinda has like a alcohol sweetener in it too. So it's good for the the brain and the immune system. So and it doesn't that, taste that good bad. For the brain. <laughs> Shoot, man, I need all the help that I can get. And yeah, dude, that's no joke. The older we get, man, I'm, my memory's like, whoa. So I drink a lot of coffee, man. A lot um, of coffee. I mean 40 ounces in the morning throughout the day. And you probably drink a little bit more than me. But no, I drink about four cups, five cups on a good day. Okay, that's about 24 to 28 ounces. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think you've seen my cups. <laughs> They're huge. Well, dude. Not I, eight ounce cups. <laughs> I, everybody has a nerd inside of them somewhere. And my my geekness goes to collecting coffee cups. And that's cool. Dude. I like that. I'll check out your collection. Dude, I, I have cups that are hilarious, cups that people find offensive. Got me a custom-made mug with my name on it, and in the front it says, Trump 2020, fuck your feelings. Because <laughs> <laughs> they thought because I worked at a grocery store that was all hippy-dippy 
that I would be offended oh. by that. So it was kind of like a backhand oh. gift to me. He's like, smack me in the face. Here, I got you a coffee mug. Ha <laughs> ha. Get offended by yeah. it. And I'm like, cool. It has my name on it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, like I said, the next podcast we're talking about offended. And, all <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> and, and so it, it was funny. And I mean, it's, mm. it's actually a really pretty mug and it's well insulated, all that stuff painted really nice. And, you know, I would use it more, but it would cause arguments yeah. with people and they would think that, that, that I'm a bigot that, or something like that when I'm not. No, yeah, no, it's just no a freaking coffee mug. It's funny. I don't know. The humor today is just, yeah, people, like I said, are too offended. But anyway, did you see my coffee cup the other day I posted? The one with the poop on it? The coffee <laughs> makes you poop. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, what's good about our site. They get a good kick out of it. You know, I, I have a Louder with Crowder mug. I have um, a Black Rifle Coffee Company um, yes, coffee that's mug. That's what I'm drinking right now. That's what I'm drinking right now. Blackbeard's yeah. Delight. The you know, they're they're pretty good. I've I bought a couple of things a while back ago. I had a subscription for it. And um, they went a moment there to where they were having problems shipping to me. And so I'm like, oh, well, cancel my stuff. You know, just because it wasn't them. It was the shipping companies. So I'm not saying Black Rifle Coffee Company was messing up because they weren't. They were doing their job trying to get it to me. But the courier, the service that was trying to deliver it to me was understaffed, was not doing it. Everything was backed up. So, you know, the Postal Service, UPS, FedEx for a while there, I don't know about up north where you're at, but coming out here to the Midwest, it was pretty shitty, dude. And, you know, and people don't realize it's like, okay, I know it's not their fault. But I want my coffee, so I'm going to have to get yeah. out. There. So, yeah. and that was one of the good things about working at the grocery store is I had all these coffee companies, these oh. blenders and vendors that would be like, hey, uh, we got this coffee. Yeah, Do you yeah. want to carry it in your store? We'll, we'll send me some samples. So they yeah, would send yeah, me like bags it. upon bags. And I, <laughs> dude, basically anything four, that could be, four. yeah, um, see, Das Bog is a really great brand. They have this one that I like the name of it and it's actually really good. It's called KGB, like, you know, Russian, <laughs> but it's a KG blend, but the KGBs and, and Dustbog, you know, Russian type of thing. Um, there's a company out of Colorado that's called Solar Roast where they're a totally green, you know, self-sufficient coffee company. Their roasting is done by solar powered everything. And they make a really great cup of coffee and all organic, you know, all that jazz. Then, of course, Equal Exchange, that was our store brand coffee. And that's uh, out of uh, South America. And Black Raven Coffee is another one to try out. But lately, like I posted online, I've been drinking this. uh, It's considered like a lower shelf coffee, but only because it's not known yet. It's called uh, Cameron's Specialty Blend. And they make a phenomenal roast and they're carried in select grocery stores. I don't know if they would sell it where you're at, but they're just barely starting up. find it online. And what I do is I mix two blends together, the sea salt and caramel and also the southern roasted pecan and mix together, dude. It is like drinking a ray of sunshine. So, yeah, that's that's really, you know. Everything that I have going on, drinking coffee, barbecuing. Um, It's been really good having you on here, Michael. And uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. And as always, you've been listening to the LPR 1138 Project. I'm Lorenzo Rubio, and I'll catch you on the flip side. 